For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Larry Hughes is going to pop out and get the ball. Jordan's going to rub his man off of Leitner and then cut down the center and gets a nice pass from Larry Hughes. Wizards fans, welcome to another Believe in Wizards podcast. Got a good one for you here today. I'm going to talk to Brendan Smith of the Wizards of Gallery Place podcast. Brendan is one of the guys I enjoy talking Wizards with the most, so I think we'll have a really good convo here. And I've been on their show a couple of times, so glad to have him back on ours. Uh, and we're going to get into this most recent win for the Wizards. Obviously, not great for the pro tanking crowd and, and hurts their odds a little bit, but it was still a sweet victory. And I think one of those things that you know, when you get to this point in the season and your team is mostly out of it, not even technically, officially they are eliminated from playoff contention. Uh, you just need like some small wins here or there and something about punking Spencer Dinwiddie and to some lesser extent, Davis Bertans is just like a sweet, sweet moral victory in some way. So we'll get into that. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the younger guys and how they've been playing. We'll talk about the improved play of KCP and, and all that good stuff. So we'll get into that here in a second, but just first a word from our sponsor, Bet Online. We're finally here. The top teams in college basketball have been determined in the final four set. Looking to wager on these games or the national championship? Head on over to betonline.ag on your desktop or your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to get started. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the updated odds and info, along with player props and new contests throughout the year. It's the best source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and everyone's favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so join today. Learn why everyone is saying Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. Let's get to our conversation with Brennan. All right, I'm pleased to be joined here by Brennan Smith of the Wizards of Gallery Place podcast. Brennan, thanks for coming on. Yeah, man, thanks for having me. It's always a good time talking basketball with you. I know we had you on uh, a little while back on the Wizards of Gallery Place, but cool to continue to keep doing the crossover stuff and definitely look forward to future conversations. But Definitely excited to talk about this one today because uh, some good stuff happened. Yeah, for once in a blue moon here, it seems like, you know, there aren't a whole lot of like victories for us at this point in the season, literal or figurative. So it was good to see them uh, just go out and just beat the doors off the Mavericks. They win 135 to 103. It never really felt particularly going to be competitive to me. Like at, normally the Wizards aren't the get off to an early start team. So I, I want to say that they're. 12 and three on the season whenever whenever they score over uh, sorry 11 and two whenever they score over 120 points which is kind of surprising that they actually have only done that 13 times this year but yeah it just looked like this was a never in doubt one what were your thoughts while kind of watching this in real time yeah i i will admit when we were when they started getting the 20 point lead and then we saw it decrease a little bit i think yeah. it got to what like 13 or 11 or yeah, something yeah. like that i was like okay, well, I'm waiting for them to finish it out. And then there was a point in the second half where I was waiting for them to come back is, you know, just 
so wizards in watching this team all year. That's kind of been a theme. And I know that's sort of an NBA thing in general. And I think that wizards fans try to be really dramatic with it, but I mean, it is frustrating, you know, when you have like almost a 20 point lead, but in basketball, those are just never safe. And I was waiting for it to, uh, to happen to us again, but you know, it didn't. And um, I think we got to give a lot of credit to, to certainly KCP and, um, and KP, but as well as the bench, because it just felt like from man one to 10 or one through 11, however many they played, it just seemed like everyone had solid minutes. And we had the Luca stopper out there and Anthony Gill. I think Anthony Gill has given this team like some surprisingly good minutes at different stretches throughout the year. And if he's back on another vet minimum next year, I definitely wouldn't be against that. Yeah. I mean, he's, um, I think he's got a qualifying offer this year of about 1.8, 1.9 mil. So if they want to keep him at that number, that's not terrible. Ideally, ideally, if you'd like to resign him, you'd like to keep him at that vet min, but he's been really solid. Like in, my podcast partner, Damo, he says it all the time. Like he never has bad minutes. It seems yeah. like, so, I mean, he's a guy, I wonder if a team will throw him like three to four mil to be like their 10th or ninth guy yeah. in the rotation. And to be honest, it really wouldn't surprise me. He's a guy that I kind of scratched my head about when Tommy Shepard signed him in the first place, because I think sort of what I remembered him as, as a college player and what they build him as based on his overseas resume is sort of not the same thing It's like, he's a sharpshooter. He shoots 45% from three. And then you got into it. And it was like, well, it's on like 1.8 attempts a game. Like he's just a solid guy. That's not going to play bad minutes. He plays decent team defense, I think, especially which this team could use more of. And that's not even including his kind of off the court stuff, but you mentioned the bench where Hatchamore did start, but I still kind of consider him more of a bench guy for the most part here. 21 points, five rebounds, four assists. Love seeing that. Porzingis had 24, nine, and four. And KCP looked uh, like Brad Beal for parts of last night with 35 points, four assists. Uh, The game on the court was awesome, but I I think I was kind of most intrigued by what happened off the court. So after the game, our own Neil DeLal of Hoop District asked Spencer Dinwiddie about just sort of his time with the Wizards. And then what he said, I said what I said about the organization. I know that they've since made comments about their own locker room that kind of validated what I've said about the situation. Let them go to the offseason and let's, let us go to the playoffs. I'm a petty person. It seems like Dinwiddie is a petty person. That rubbed me the wrong way. So just for that reason alone, I think that was an extra sweet win last night to kind of shut him up, especially since they didn't play very well. Yeah, I mean, I so kind of digesting what he said um when he said that the, we made some comments or the wizards made some comments about their locker room that kind of validated this point. Yeah. And I think that can be true sure. in a sense, but I think that the, the problem that we had with Dinwiddie was his on court play strictly. Mm-hmm. And I believe Wes, when he said we're, we're asking him to be aggressive and to, to do X, Y, Z. And so, I mean, look at the end of the day, if, if Trez was the one, who was causing those problems? Well, he was going to get dealt. Yeah. So just there was still then. an opportunity for him to try and prove himself. But also, if you're Dinwiddie, dude, you're the one who's making 17 mil. You know, for all intents yeah. and purposes, you know, you can tell Trez, who's on an expiring contract, to f off. Yeah. Kick rocks. And, and if they need to take any disciplinary action towards him, then go for it. But to me, like that's not an excuse for. The, the the lack of wanting to to be aggressive, the constant step back, brick threes. And he had some good moments. And mm-hmm. look, it's all love for Dinwiddie. I get it. I mean, w- would I be happy if I was a Washington Wizard? You know, probably not. Would you be happy? Probably not. Would anyone? Mm, 
maybe, but probably not. So I get it in that sense, but it is frustrating when you hear someone who was with your team um, talk about about it specifically um, with maybe some of the veterans that were on this team. And I don't know exactly what his relationship was, uh, was with Beal, but it's also not like he was just playing good. And then all of a sudden, oh, he found his spot and now he's going off. And he had some good moments at the beginning when he first joined Dallas and he's that's what we witnessed off, too. So yeah. it's, it's nothing different, but yeah, I, I, I do think it is a little bit disrespectful, but at the, at the same time, considering the slander he was getting, sometimes justified, I think sometimes not. I get where he was coming from, but I definitely think he could have went about it a different way. Porzingis has been like super classy when talking about the Mavericks. He said nothing but nice things about Doncic, and he's you know consistently taking the high road. Whereas like Dinwiddie's like, oh, I'm not going to talk about it, but it was a mess there, and and that could very well be true. I just thought it was like kind of a tone deaf move to be like, well, we'll enjoy the playoffs and they'll enjoy the off season. Well, having- that was the part that was the part that really kind of irritated me yeah. because it's like, number one, like the Mavericks are going to be in the playoffs with or without you. Exactly. like your arrival. And especially Breton's arrival does not change whether or not the Mavericks are in the playoffs, but, um, and it's like, Oh, we'll enjoy the off season. Yeah. Great. You were the one that's <laughs> Probably one of the biggest reasons why we are where we are. So that was my only issue with that. Yeah, he contributed way more to the Wizards not making the playoffs than the Mavericks actually making the playoffs. And right, you know, it just like really, bro, like you're you're gonna take say you're taking the high road of not talking about the Wizards, but every press conference there's some clip about well, now that I'm in a team that actually wants my services, it's just I don't know. I don't know how you feel like when we trade players away. Obviously, like you want to win the trade, but I'd rather win the trade because like the guy came here and played so well. It's not because I'm rooting for those guys to fail, but you know, I'm I'm like I am a petty enough person if he keeps <laughs> talking bad about the wizards, like I'm gonna root for the Mavericks to lose in the first round at this point. Like I, I don't want him to have anything to like gloat about and keep bringing us up. Like that is the I Wizards want- fan base's job to root again, you know, to talk shit about the wizards, not other players. I want, so I don't know when Jamal Murray is going to come back. He's not back yet, right? No. Okay. So I don't know when he's going to come back, but if he comes back soon, I'm kind of hoping for that Dallas Denver first yeah. round. I mean, either way, even without Jamal Murray, I think the Nuggets probably win that series at about six. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if they get Murray back, I mean, that's probably like a five game series. You know, I mean, again, we saw outside uh, last night outside of Luca, they really don't have a whole lot. Um, Brunson, Brunson is pretty good. Don't yeah. get me wrong, but I've always found it kind of odd that they committed to that duo. I think it's, it's, it's a little weird, um, but I absolutely love Dorian Finney-Smith. If we're going to talk about the Mavericks personnel, I mean, if there's one guy I could poach from that team, it'd probably be him. He'd and they got some fit. other solid guys on there as well. I love Josh Green as a young prospect, athletic, can score the ball. Um, but nobody's carrying them in a playoff series if no. Luca's not on. They don't have right. it. Correct. They traded that guy to us for a six man (laughs) and a shooting non-shooter. Right. A a streaky six man who was starting to tail off again. Dinwiddie had eight points on two of six shooting in 24 minutes last night. And just their comments were interesting about wizards, but also I just kind of like, I have totally turned a corner on KCP Uh, early in the year when you know, he would shoot four or five from three one night and then oh five the next night or there'd be a lot of like bad mid range twos where he dribbled 10 times. Like I was so out because I also feel like the defense trailed off when everybody else's did too. And I, I didn't enjoy that. He made comments about like, well, we need a leader. Nobody talks on defense. Like, well, you're a defender and you're a champion. How about you be that leader? But 
the fact that he was like, look, you know, Dinwiddie was not coming in here and getting a win last night that I told KP that since they let you go, we're going to beat them up for you. That's the first thing I said. And we did that. Like, I just kind of like guys with an edge. And I think it seems clear that KCP might be the guy leading the locker room in terms of having an edge. Well, look at the guys in um, our recent history that have had edge that have completely helped outside of their play. Um, Nene, yeah. um, Paul Pierce. Those are the two guys that, that come to mind for me where they Even had that. Even was going to break your back with a screen or something if he got the chance. You know, like there was just kind of right. a, a little toot there. And, and to, to go to KCP, I mean, um, he was a guy who maybe irritated me at times, but he was never a guy for me where I was like, don't play him, don't start him. Sure. Um, I've always been kind of pro KCP, and we're seeing it now. Like, it's tough at the beginning of the season when you're trying to force feed the ball to Dinwiddie, and then you have Beal on top of that, and you have to give Trez the ball, and it becomes this whole thing now, right? So, mm-hmm. But now it's easier where KCP can can get his own shots, and he can get himself more into a rhythm, and we're kind of seeing that now. This is numbers post trade deadline shooting wise, the shooting splits have been fantastic. And what worries me now with that is going into next year. I don't know what they're going to do at point guard, but I really, really am hoping that they don't get someone who's going to be ball dominant. And And need a lot of shots. I I know a lot of people don't want it. If we roll with Sadoransky as a starting point guard next year, I'm okay with that because your Beal is going to need the ball. Kuzma's going to need the ball. KP's definitely going to need the ball because they're running the offense around him now. It's going to mm-hmm. be clunky trying to mix Beal and Kuzma back into that as it is. And now we've seen KCP, how he can be with a higher volume of shots. Do you really want to take a whole lot of shots away from a guy who's basically going to be your best shooter yeah. all around anywhere on the floor? So that's kind of how I feel about the situation, but I've always been pro KCP for sure. Definitely. I, I get why people get frustrated with him, but I think sometimes you got to kind of look at like, you know, I mean, people want him to literally just be three and deep, like do nothing else. Like the guy eventually is going to want to take the ball to the rack. He's going to want to take those um, one to two dribble, pull up mid range shots, but he used to get himself into a rhythm. And now that there's really no one else to take shots away from him on the floor besides Porzingis, we're seeing that. And the numbers are there. I'm always a believer that you can't just pigeonhole a guy into like a role or stick him in a corner. Like certain guys, like even Kuzma, he's going to do some dumb shit out there from time to time, but like you got to let him like play his way into things. I I totally get that for KCP. I I think situationally it's important that he doesn't do those things kind of sure, you know, in the wrong situation. The the only problem I had with at any point during the year with KCP as a starter was more so just the fit with other guys. So it was like, okay, now we're playing Neto. He's small. Now we're playing Beal. He's small. Now we're playing KCP. He's undersized as a three. And I think if you, Start somebody like Sadoransky with a little size, some athleticism, some length. It actually helps to like balance out the fact that, you know, KCP is a little smaller for the, that sort of three ND role. So like, if you go with that guard, that's a, a, you know, a non-shooter, not a non-shooter, like a non-ball dominant player like Sadoransky, I, I think that actually makes a lot of sense. And it allows you to kind of be more switchable and better utilize someone like KCP's skill set. If they were going to go small point guard, I liked maybe the idea of starting a Rui or somebody like that. So, you know, it's just all about like the fit with the rest of the guys. If you were going to go small point guard, maybe you bring a st- bigger starting wing in there. But if it's Sato, then, hey, I, I think KCP makes even more sense. And and that's a tough core to try to like score around on the perimeter, I hope. It's getting into Sato is an interesting conversation because when everyone brought him back, like I was, I was thrilled. I was excited about it. And everyone's like, oh man, this guy sucks. He can't shoot. He, 
you can't do blah, blah, blah. And I think that's just kind of the fan base in general. And I kind of get the pessimism to an extent, you know, when um, you've been shot down so many times as a fan. I don't know if you saw um, uh, D's video last night where he posted his uh, reaction to um, like the Dinwiddie and Bertans getting tribute. tribute He's like, well, why don't you give me a tribute video? Because I've had to watch this team for so long. And um, so I get the pessimism. But honestly, I, I think, and I talked about this actually before the trade deadline. I said, you know, if we were to get a, a six, seven, like a taller guard, like Sadoransky, like Dom and I talked about the long, right. But Sadoransky's kind of in that same breed mm-hmm. of point guard. He's a little bit bigger, maybe not going to be as high usage, but we already saw the other night, double, double with no points and not a lot that. of shots taken. I mean, that's exactly the kind of guy I think yeah. that we need when you consider the personnel that we have. Especially if you're still a threat to shoot. And it's not like he's going zero points because he can't make a three. It's because he just doesn't need to and teams have right. to cover him as if he can and which is great and and i've been sort of pushing for the idea of like I, I don't love any of the first round point guards but there are a ton of like big kind of ball handling guys maybe not like point guards per se but like a, a distributor facilitator creator you could get in the second round maybe guys even undrafted so i would kind of look to go that route let somebody like you know, Sadoransky kind of mentor them a little bit, even if you have mm-hmm. ish back, he can still teach them things. And I'd rather, yeah. you know, you sort of transition ish away from major minutes over the long term, if, if it were me. Well, ish is what, like uh, 32. So I think yeah. that I think they're going to keep him. I think they'll um, fully guarantee his contract this offseason, but this would definitely be the last offseason I'd keep him. And I love ish. I'm very sure. pro ish Smith, but eventually it's just it's like time. you would have to yeah. think that quickness is going to go away at some mm-hmm. point. Like I'm just kind of waiting on it, but it hasn't gone away yet, but um, I definitely would like them to transition into a, a younger point guard. So again, like you said, I don't know if they'll do a first round. It kind of depends on where their pick's going to end up and we'll get into that down the line. Um, but I would definitely like them to add someone or maybe there's like a combo guard who's young, but didn't quite make it on a roster. Like um, for example, I'm not saying him exactly, but Alonzo Trier, for example, Mm-hmm. who was kind of like a combo guard for a little bit. And maybe you want to mold and he's probably better fit for it too. I'm just using an example, but if there's someone who you really like, like that, mm-hmm. who's like, okay, let's try and mold him into a point guard. Then maybe you go with someone like that, bring him in camp, let him make the team. You know, I'd go that route for sure. I know your podcast partner has been high on Alanis Williams from Wake Forest. You know, those kinds of guys that are like six, five ish, pretty athletic and can do like, you know, a little bit of scoring, a little bit of creating. I, I'm, I'm all for that kind of notion. Closing out on KCP here for a second. So in the last 15 games, he's averaged 17 points, four rebounds, two and a half assists, shooting 41% from three, 84% from the line, 50%, a little under 50% from the field, just had a season high 35 points. Uh, He's now scored 20 plus points in four straight games, which has tied a career best streak, which he achieved in uh, 2017. He scored 102 points total over the last four games, which is the most of a four-game stretch of his career. Previous high was 91. And he's now knocked down five-plus three-pointers in eight games this season, which ranks as the second most uh, in that sort of stretch in his career, which, I mean, that's awesome. I mean, again, if it's 80% of that is translatable to next year, like that's huge for the Wizards. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're definitely going to need the, the the wing help next year. And I know we've kind of talked about maybe this is the offseason where they turn some of those wings that they have into a point guard. But to be honest, I would rather keep the wings and have Same. them as depth and have them as different guys that you can kind of throw out there. And again, with everyone back, they're not going to be able to throw out as many guys as they've thrown out um, down the stretch of this season. And someone's feelings are probably going to be a little hurt next season, whether that's um, 
Kispert, Denny, Rui somewhere in there. Someone's going to be the odd man out in the rotation, and that's going to suck. But we've complained so long about not having depth at the two, three, and four. And now that we kind of have that a little bit, I'd hate to see them trade that for to bring someone in who, quite frankly, we may just not need. I wouldn't be trading like three guys to get one or, you know, those kinds of things where you're like totally gutting your depth. But, you know, if you turned one of those guys and a fringe guy into something, I wouldn't be, you know, it depends on who it is. Right. So like I'm with you and I actually think it's on West to kind of convince these guys that, Hey, it's a long NBA season. Injuries are kind of up around the league. The COVID stuff was still a concern. Like over the course of the year, everyone's going to get opportunities. So like you might not be in the rotation for this five game stretch. It it doesn't mean that you're not going to get chances. And I I know that's easier said than done. All right, let's take a quick break from the show to hear from another one of our sponsors, Athletic Greens. Tons of people take multivitamins, but it's important to choose one that is top quality. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to start your day right. Their special blend of ingredients supports gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy recovery, focus, and aging. It's also lifestyle friendly and fits a wide range of diets. There's only one gram of sugar and no chemicals or artificial anything. Reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash belief. That's B-L-E-A-V. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash belief. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Athletic Greens, take ownership of your health. Now let's get back to the show. Just sort of sticking with like this young wing forward group here for a minute. Just a couple stats for you. In Denny's last nine games, he's averaging about 13 points, six rebounds, three assists. Uh, in his last five games, he's shooting 44.4% from three. Rui, his season on the whole, 50% from the floor, 47% from three, 75% from the free throw line, career high, 6.4 three-point attempts per 100 possessions. And, uh, you know, he, he's like literally just scorching the net right now. Tied a season high with 21 points on eight of 14 shooting, three or four from the arc. He's connected on three three-point field goals or more in four straight games. And then you've got Kispert, who, you know, has looked good for stretches. It's kind of rough for stretches. I think it's what you expect from a rookie. But now for the season, he's 45% from the floor, 35% from three, and 86% from the line. Like, if you're making free throws, the threes are going to come. Like, we know he can shoot it. It's just kind of maybe solidifying the form, getting more reps up at that length. Where are you on this sort of trio of guys so far? So I think I've been pretty consistent and I've been saying this all year. I think if, if I had to pick one of them to keep, I would keep Kispert. I think that he's the guy that you can play with um, any lineup in the league. And I just think he has a nice IQ and a, and a good solid all around game. He's a nice three level score. Mm-hmm. His shooting is going to come. And I know you mentioned um, his shooting splits there, but if you look at his shooting splits post, uh, trade deadline where he's large in part been a starter and been getting over been 30 minutes a game. Um, West really trusts him and his numbers have really been there. So um, I definitely like the prospects of Kispert the most long-term. If you're trying to build a competitive roster, if you're looking for more upside, um, maybe you go the Denny or Rui route, but uh, I, I, I like Denny. Um, I, 
he's such a polarizing player out of the three because I think we all know what Rui is. Like Rui's just kind of been like a steady guy the moment we got him. Like he's a guy like you you could start at the four, and I think you're pretty comfortable with that. But now that we have him on the bench, I think that's a huge plus. Yeah. Um, the the problem with Rui is are you maximizing him? And if you're not, could you trade him to a team and get mm-hmm. something back to where you could bring in something that you could really use? Um, but generally speaking, I like all three, but I wouldn't be too rushed to try and move off from any of them. As I said a second ago, you know, it, we've been asking for depth for a long time. So if you can keep those guys and if they keep getting better, and certainly they've shown down the stretch of the season that they're improving. I mean, that's what you're going to be looking for if, since we're not pushing for a play in spot now. So um, I'm relatively happy with all three at the moment. If I had to pick one who I was lowest on right now, I would say Denny. I would go Kispert, Rui, Denny. But role-wise going forward, who I'd rather keep like for roles that we need, I would probably go Kispert, Denny, if he plays defense. And that's the big thing because his defense has kind of fell off. And then Rui. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to me. Like, this is a core that, I mean, it's been rare for the Wizards over the last decade to have like, positional flexibility or versatility and you could play all three of those guys together you could play two of the three any combo of them sort of like works on the wing which i I think is huge for them and and gives west like a lot of options to kind of mix and match based on on the opponent i I think denny is the guy that like sort of most been victimized by like and you can make this case for Rui too i guess but like he's been most um, put at a disadvantage by sort of like global circumstances with the pandemic and the way the NBA season has played out. Like he's a dude that just needs like off season skill development. Like just, he needs two months with a trainer, like a high level NBA trainer, just pounding the ball with his left hand, you know, like getting up threes off movement, like just different things that, that we haven't been able to see from him consistently. And, you know, it just, I think that's really hurt him and held him back. And and we're still looking at a guy that's like, you know, barely played a season and a half worth of games. So, uh, you know, I, I think he's somebody that if he came back so much better next season with a full off season to work on stuff, I wouldn't be shocked either. I, the, the one thing that the two things he really needs to address, he still needs to address a spot three point shooting. Although recently, I mean, he's been really and confident yeah. and he's been really shooting the lights out of the ball and that's well for him. And, and that's what you really want to see. Second thing, I need you to get back to that that defensive yeah, presence that you had people. at the beginning yeah. of the season because if you're just going to be an average shooter and maybe do some stuff, secondary playmaking sometimes when you talk about the guys that we're going to be getting back healthy next year, mm-hmm. we can easily find like a Mo Harkless or something to fill that role. So, you know, I mean, he has to to bring something tangible to the table that we can use as an asset. And to me, that that goes back to, to him getting – much better on the defensive end of the floor. And again, I need you to be at least a 35% three-point shooter for me to justify playing you next year. I mean, just look at where Rui came in as a three-point shooter and where, you know, obviously he didn't get the whole sort of start to the season we would have liked, but he has made like a huge stride uh, as as a spot-up shooter. And, you know, I'm not saying that Denny's going to come in and be a 50% three-point shooter next year, but if he's 35% and like you said, a high-level defender, now, all of a sudden, you got something there. And that's something that any team in the league could use. He could play small ball five. He could be a two or a three. Like, it just gives you um, so much uh, flexibility, which I, I think is huge. The one I worry about a little bit is Rui defensively more than anybody mm-hmm. in that group. It's just, yeah, this is a guy that after like the end of year one, we're like, holy shit, like maybe the Kawhi Leonard stuff wasn't crazy. Like, he had moments where he would 
lock up LeBron or Giannis or Kawhi even for small stretches. And we just kind of don't really talk about Rui, the defender anymore. He's like, okay, he's serviceable. He doesn't really hurt you a ton, but he does get really lost sometimes, it seems like. So I'm just really not sure what kind of happened there. Yeah, I mean, both him and Kispert, relatively speaking, are, are pretty awful defenders. So that's what you Denny expect that has. from Kispert, at least, especially year one. Yeah, uh, you know, Rui also coming into a situation where he hadn't really got a whole lot of on-court time. And we know, like, he's a naturally gifted offensive player. Like, mm-hmm. if you could send him to any other team tomorrow and he'll give you a, a 10 to 14 point game mm-hmm. off the bench. That's just the kind of guy that Rui is. Defensively, I'm hoping that another offseason where you focus more on the defensive schematics and the terminology is more familiar with everyone because there were some moving of the pieces on the deadline and now you don't have your your leader and Bradley Beal if that's what you want to call him um so it, it can be difficult for some guys to make that sort of transition again for someone who really I never thought was that great um of an off-ball defender to begin with and I know that's where he's really struggling now it's just a, an attention to detail thing, you know, but again, we haven't had that guy on the roster in the front court. Like we don't have a PJ Tucker or like um, a Marcus smart or something to say, dude, if you don't get this shit right, then like, you know, you're going to be out of the game or it's going to be another situation and conversation that we're going to have. So, um, but yeah, I mean, really defensively is definitely struggling, but um, I think again, like how you were saying at the top of the show where it's just, there needs to be a leader or someone besides the coach that's going to make it a focal point for the team to do it. And then I think we'll, we'll start to see guys try and get more on a string and and play defense together and individually. Yeah. Get I, you know, if it's not KCP, there's gotta be somebody on that group. That's like, all right, this, this is the guy who's going to make sure everyone else takes pride in that end. Not that Westbrook was a good defender, but he would get on dudes if they made like obvious mistakes or blew an assignment and, I don't know is if, if Brad is the guy to do someone like, you know, something that sounds like not, but there's just got to be like some, some voice and some presence. And they've all talked about it, which is crazy to me. Like how many guys can go down the line and all say, yes, we need a defensive leader. We need a communicator. Well, like one of you do it <laughs> like that. If you want more minutes, you want more touches. Like, okay, we'll go be a high end defender. Can, can Denny be that guy in another year when he's a little more solidified? That's like, Hey guys, like we got to strap up. I, I don't know if, you know, they're going to listen to the second year guy necessarily, but if he starts off next year, the way he did this year defensively, like that gives him credibility to say like, you guys have to defend too. At least I would hope. It, it sucks that Kuzma's not a better defender yeah. because I think Kuzma would kind of be the perfect guy for that yeah. role. Um, you know, offensively, he can probably do that, but defensively it's, you know, so they're still missing that that veteran leader in the front court who can kind of get. And again, I don't know if that's KCP or not. Um, I feel like that's a little bit too much of a responsibility for a guy who's only making 14 mil. But again, you know, your best player doesn't have to be your leader. But I think it's going to go back to those main three, you know, Beal, Porzingis, Kuzma. I mean, you guys are going to have to play defense, too. And it doesn't have to be all the time. But if you can at least be respectable, mm-hmm. I think you can get the younger players uh, and guys at the end of your bench to buy in. Certainly if, if someone's not playing defense next year and you keep Anthony Gill, then you know what, until you get your shit together, we're going to yeah. play Anthony Gill 20 minutes a game. And if you don't like it, we'll get your shit together. That's if I was Wes, you have to be super aggressive with that approach next year, because next year, this shit's not going to cut it. You know, yeah. you're either going to play or if we're bad again, we may be starting to talk about, is he out of a job? And we're, some people are already starting to have that conversation now. He's kind of saved his ass over the past five games and people have kind of gotten off of it. But 
Um, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, it starts at coaching. We, we gave the same shit to Scott Brooks and we got to keep it consistent, you know, just because of your family legacy and whatnot, you don't get a pass from me. So it's got to improve next year. Yeah. And that's just been the biggest surprise to me is like, we really thought that was going to be like the identity for this team. Not everybody's going to be great. Like, but even Brad put in effort early, like Kuzma played a lot harder defensively early in the year. I think Gafford was better defensively early in the year. Like you could kind of pretty much go down the line and say that they've fallen off defensively from that start. And it seems like not just the communication and the cohesion and all the things they talk about, but the effort does seem to have dropped off. And, and you know, I kind of get it. Like it's understandable, but if you're West, like this is where you start. These five games should be like your building block for next year. If Rui goes out and defends the hell out of people for the next five games, you know what? I'm starting next season with him like high on the depth chart because that's what I saw. Same for Denny or Sato or whoever it is. Like make that carry over into minutes. And if that's what people understand gets them on the court, well, now all of a sudden, like, you know, maybe that and that catches on a little bit. Yeah. People at the beginning of the season, too, when Denny was playing, like, because he was awful offensively at the beginning yeah. of the year. But the reason he was getting minutes was because he was locking people up. And um, fans were calling for different people to play. But at the end of the day, you know, Wes is trying to get guys to play defense. They didn't spend any of the preseason stuff on offense from the reports that we got. They spent preseason on defense. So he's going to play the guys that he feels comfortable with defensively. And then we all know what happened. Everyone kind of got frustrated and they wanted the offense to open up. So Wes opened it up. But guess what? Then you weren't getting the same defensive effort maybe because guys were too tired from running a little bit more, maybe just because they felt like, well, I'm getting my buckets. I don't need to play defense now. You know, whatever the case was, it did drop off. But now what you want to see is you hopefully now that we have some offensive star power too, maybe you can play more of that slower controlled pace that you want to play at next season because you have more star power. And hopefully you can still kind of bring back that same defensive intensity we saw at the beginning of the year, because I have no interest in watching Scott Brooks basketball for, the rest of West's tenure. I have no interest in watching that. So again, it's got to change. Yeah, they need some structure. And I think we've heard a lot of comments about like putting Porzingis in that sort of poor man's Jokic role offensively, put him in the high post, let him, you know, see over the defense and create for people. Like maybe with just like better personnel for his system, that that looks better. But I look at this roster and I just can't help but think like, yeah, you want them to play better defense, but this needs to be like a good offensive team for them to be good. Just going back to that, you know, hey, we're 11 and two when we score over 120 points. Like to me, if you can score in the high teens like that and just be like incrementally better defensively, especially, you know, in big stretches or when the offense isn't there, I think that's the difference. You look at all like the point differential stuff for teams defensively from the top team in the league to the bottom team in the league. It's really not that big of a difference, right? So if you're a point or two per possession, you know, per hundred possessions better, that, that just really changes your fortune and moves you up from 28th to 15th. And if you're 10th on offense and 15th on defense, you're a playoff team. Like that's a good team. So uh, to me, I, I would still like, to see them look better offensively next year. And I, I just hope that that's the roster moves, you know, kind of reflect that too. I, I hope so. And I'm hoping that when you bring, when you have our, our big three light is kind of what I call them. I hope that they all mesh together. I really do because yeah. what Wes is doing right now, offensively is feeding everything for Porzingis. It, it feels mm-hmm. really forced. Like it really does. Um, and, and, it, and it works for the most part to their benefit. But 
when you have Beal and Kuzma back next year and both those guys are going to need the rock at the point of attack, you're not going to be able to run the ball through the high post every time, man. You know, yeah. um, Beal is not Jamal Murray. I know that they try to make that comparison. They're two totally different animals, if you ask me. So they're they're not even close to comparison. And then also, um, Denver has never had a Kyle Kuzma type player on their team. So um, again, like Michael Porter Jr., they're just two different players. So I, I can't see that comparison. Um, but I do like that they've been operating offensively out of Porzingis in the high post. I would like to see him on the block a little bit more, admittedly. And then um, also next year, we're going to need to see that pick and pop and uh, pick and roll action with uh, Porzingis. And um, so, I, but I think that they'll be better offensively provided that Beal's shooting numbers get back up to par because for Beal's standards and what we've seen in recent years, he had a terrible, terrible season. Yeah, I'd still just love somebody to be able to do like a really frank, in-depth conversation with him about what that was. Is it the ball? Was it was the wrist an issue before the fall? You, you know, like it's just there's got to be something more to it than just like you know there'd been a natural regression before this, but he fell off a cliff this year, um, and it just that can't be like a total coincidence. Maybe some of the chemistry stuff with Dinwiddie hurt him as well. Shot selection. I, you know, I would love to see like a, a deep dive breakdown somewhere about like what really contributed to those issues. Cause you're right. If he's not at least 85% of what he had been a couple of years ago, this team doesn't really go very far. Nope. I totally agree. You know, it's going to start and end with him. And I think he knows that and that's assuming he's back. I know we kind of, yeah. we would like to think he would be, but I still think that there is a chance um, in a, in a painted scenario where he's not back. Um, and he has a good meeting with someone. Uh, but what I would hate is for us to, to do like a sign and trade with Miami and we get Jimmy Butler back or some shit like that conversation for a different day. But um, no, I, I do hope that that Beal is back and his numbers do go back up because when you're second in the league in scoring, I know you can talk about um, the, the pieces that you have and no one else can do it, but that stuff doesn't happen on accident. And for all intents and purposes, I mean, he, he really was first in scoring for most and much of the season that year. Yeah. So, and, and pretty darn good the year before too. And I actually have no problem with like, if a guy's taking good shots and he's just not making the shots he typically makes, you know, that's going to happen. Guys are going to have rough stretches. I liked the facilitation better. You, you always talk about like, what's the key trait from the best guys in the league. And I was listening to an Andrew Bogut interview the other day. And he just talked about all the good players he ever played with. The number one thing they did was make other guys better. And you need that from Beal if you're going to give him that much money. So, like, I can live with a little offset in his own shooting if it's coming because he's a creator. But the thing that always has rubbed me the wrong way is the preseason, I want to be defensive player of the year or all, all you know, first team, all defense. Like, it just seems so hollow when 12 games into the year, you've already kind of stopped defending people. Like, they need him to be accountable, at least on that end, too. They, they try to to do the good PR thing and they try to say the right things and I respect them from that point. But I think for, for like the, the, the wizards fans that are invested in this team and watch it, like when you say something like that, it's, it, it just looks dumb, yeah. you know, and I'm not saying that Beal's dumb because he's no, not. It just, it's a, it's a poor, it, it's a poor comment at that point. Right. Because if you were to say, I know I've been really bad on defense and in order for this team to get better and to reach its full potential, I need to get better. Yeah. You're not being really specific with that, but at but least you're saying that we'd you all love it. Better. Like, even yeah. if you were to say, I want to be average for yeah. a guard, like yeah. I would happily accept that, you know? 
you say 10% better and the whole fan base is like clapping by the time you finish the sentence. Uh, Just a couple other random stats from last night. This is the first time that the Wizards have swept the Mavericks since 2007, 2008. Their 32 point margin of victory last night was the largest recorded by the Wizards since 2016 when they beat the Pistons by 43. And it's their largest ever margin of victory over Dallas in series history. Once we beat them by 21 points in 1980. So that's kind of wild. Their 135 points they scored last night are the most in the series history. And uh, it's the third time the Wizards have recorded a wire-to-wire victory this season where they actually led the entire way, which is actually kind of surprising to me, to be honest. But uh, the Wizards' 41 points scored in the first and fourth quarters ties a season high for the most points scored in a single quarter of the season. They had 40, I want to say, against Orlando, 41 against Orlando a couple months ago, but uh, or a couple weeks ago, sorry. Uh, so I thought that was really interesting too, that they played a really good first and fourth quarter. And the first quarters this year have been really rough for the Wizards and especially the third quarters too. But this is a team that like held on to a big lead. And like you mentioned at the outset, you can never assume that's a foregone conclusion with this Wizards team. So they got a good start and they held on to it. I just loved kind of everything about what they did last night. Yeah, I think you can, you can give a lot of credit. I know we mentioned Sadoransky a little bit. Um, obviously, w- when you shoot the ball as well as you do, that's yeah. going to translate to yeah. usually how that goes. But it's also, I was telling someone the other day, he was asking me um, how I thought a game was going to go. And I'm like, man, it's the goofy part of the NBA season where guys are in and out of the lineup. Some teams just quite frankly take days yeah. off because there's no incentive to play for from a, a seeding standpoint or anything like that. And sometimes like guys are just kind of drained at the end of the regular season. It's all right, come on, let's get to the big dance. Let's go. So um, I think we just kind of caught the Mavericks on a lazy night, to be honest. Um, we we did it. do a lot of things execution wise. Sure. We made our shots. We played a good game from start to finish, but I, I, I don't think that you can dismiss just the part of the season that it is for the NBA. And, you know, this kind of stuff happens. Yeah, the Wizards have been traditionally like kind of good about like closing out against the weaker part of the schedule when other teams are not having a lot to play for. So I, I'm with you there. Um, just sort of last thing to touch on real quick. Uh, the Capital City Go-Go won again last night in sort of a rock fight with the Long Island Nets. Uh, they won 86-77, not a really pretty offensive affair, but the Go-Go are now 21-9. and and it's their eighth straight home win. So they finished the home portion of the regular season uh, going 11 and five, which is awesome. They never trailed at any point during the game. And the win moved the go-go or tied, kept the go-go in second place in the Eastern Conference, which is awesome. So they have uh, one more game in Chicago against the Windy City Bulls. And a win over the Bulls would clinch them a first round bye. Again, I know not, not everybody gives a shit about the G League team, but it's still cool to me to just like see them be sort of competent and respectable. And I think one of the things that people kind of sleep on there is just, this is the future of the organization, not just on the court, but on the bench as well. Like you've got a guy like Mike Williams, who's their 25 year old head coach. Like that's a dude that can learn so much that maybe he can bring to the wizards, uh, you know, next year or however they rotate through. So just a heads up to everybody, show them a little love. If you want some good basketball to watch, there's at least one playoff team in professional basketball in Washington, DC this spring. So Brennan, I don't know if you've caught anything on them, but this is just a good thing for the organization to have some level of competency kind of across the board, I think. Well, when, when Ted Leone's is uh, rebranded monumental basketball, I mean, this is one of those things that that is important. You know, yeah. when you talk about building uh 
a good organization and you're really setting the foundation with the G league, because if you know um, you, you don't have those players that can be developed and bring up, and that's just another negative thing about your organization that people from the outside looking in can say, can look in and say, well, you're kind of unstable and just not really like well operated. And as we saw um, the former go-go head coach is now an assistant coach on the wizards. Right. So um, it's also good from a coaching standpoint. We never know where, where coach Williams is, is going to go next. Who knows? Maybe there's a spot opening and we bring him on to the staff and as in uh, some capacity, but, next year, but I do like some of the guys they have on their roster. I know that uh, the popular ones are going to be um, Isaiah Todd spent some time with them. Um, Cassius Winston, who's a two-way player for them for some reason. Um, Jordan Shackle and um, Jaime Echenique, I know is a guy who a lot of people are really more positive on him. I still kind of don't see how he makes it to the next level yet, but it's I, not translatable. Yeah, in my opinion. No. But I love that he's made history. And for that kind of level, maybe not an NBA level where we keep getting thrown like the international stuff at us. Like, it's cool. But at the end of the day, like, hey, can you stop losing four games in a row and please beat the Magic twice in a row? Like, we're not asking for a lot here. But at that level, um, I absolutely love it. And it's good PR. And um, uh, it's good that we have some guys on that roster that are going to get better and are going to develop in monumental and monumental basketball. Because that's the, the biggest piece in all this is how it all connects and um, just really building up your basketball brand because for such a long time, and you could still argue now that um, it, it hasn't been good, but at least from that aspect, they're trending in the right direction. direction. Yeah, that's that's actually a great point about just competency kind of across the board. If you win in the WNBA, you win in the 2K League, if you win in the G League, like some of those things have to kind of translate, right? Like you're doing things right. There's good sort of organizational best practices in place. And if your G League team is competent and will be in the postseason and, you know, those kinds of things carry over, like you'll get better undrafted free agents next year too. And that could be more guys that are available to the Wizards to pick from. So it's not sort of a trivial, meaningless thing um, in in my opinion. So I, I think that's a great call. Last sort of quick note here, Anthony Gill was named the recipient of the inaugural Washington Wizards E.B. Henderson Team Award. Gill received the honor and recognition for his work in the Washington, D.C. community. So just another shout out to Anthony Gill for just being like a really good dude. And you can never have too many really good dudes on the team, I think. Nope, just a, just a great pro. And, and I would, I'm not going to say heartbroken because that's kind of dramatic, but I would be very disappointed if he wasn't back on the team next year. Yeah, you need you need the Anthony Gills on the roster. Uh, you don't need him to be a 15 minutes a night guy, but just someone like that really helps. Brendan, I think there are, what, five regular season games left at this point? Um, maybe six. I, I've sort of lost track at this point. But what do you want to see from, from the group here over the final five games? Just continue to improve. Um, I'd like Porzingis' shooting numbers to be a little bit better than they are, especially from three-point range. I know he's – I'm not asking you to be a 40% three-point shooter, but can you get up to – to 35 compared to, I think he's been around 30 since we've acquired him. So you'd like to see that go up Um, a little bit better shot selection too from him, but the younger guys, you know, just continue to get better, take your shots because this is the time to do it. And um, I mean, they've been taking advantage of it so far. So we'll see if Kuzma comes back. I would, I, they say they're going to bring him back. I would bet not. Yeah, Maybe Um, like the last three games of the year at most or something like Minimal. I would like them to consider shutting down Porzingis as well. He finished off the season healthy. He's played really well. And I think um, 
exceeded expectations, I would say, uh, pretty confidently. So let's end on a good note, shut him down, and let's get some of these younger guys and maybe reward some of the go-go players yep, for uh, exactly. having a really good season and let them get some NBA minutes and let them get their shine as we close the season. Yeah, that's maybe the one downside to them being like in contention in the G League is that maybe that'll prevent them from playing them some NBA minutes. Yeah. But I'd much prefer to see Todd in an NBA context than a G League playoff setting. So, uh, you know, I hope the Wizards kind of keep long-term NBA wins in mind when sort of making that decision. Um, Brennan, where can people find you? Uh, at Threes Trice. Most people know where to find me. If not, feel free to follow me. Also check out the Wizards Gallery Place podcast. Me and my buddy Dama, we try and record once every week. Awesome. Thank you for coming on. Appreciate it. Hopefully we can do one of these in the off season. I've, I've kind of teased that I'd love to do like a first round mock draft with you and some of the other guys we, we chat with regularly. So I think that'd be a fun exercise here in a couple of weeks. Yep, absolutely. Thanks for awesome. having me. All right, everybody, once again, uh, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. And we present, uh, we're presented by betonline.ag. We'll catch you next week. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.